right, we're going to do something a little different. If you look in the pews in front of you, you'll see there are Bibles there now. So um, rather than put the, the scriptures that we're going to be focusing on today in, in Kelsey's sermon on the screens, we're going to have everybody pull these out. Um, and in fact, let's bring up the house lights a little bit. And if you've got it on your phone, go ahead and get your, get your phone up. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring the house lights up so we can read. That's all good. We'll get that done here in a second. Yay! Um, so go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to the Gospel of John. Um, this is in John chapter 1. Now, John is um, the, the fourth of the Gospels, so it's in the, the back half of the book. If you're um, in either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you've still got a little ways to go. If you've hit Acts, you've gone too far. So I'll give you a minute here to get there. We're starting right in the beginning, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So if you're there, go ahead and say yes. If you're not there quite yet, say, wait up. Okay, we'll give you a couple minutes or a couple seconds here. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Now let's go ahead and say these words together. So starting in verse 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right, our second reading for this morning also comes from the Gospel of John. So it's just a couple of pages back in, in chapter 5. And we're looking at verses 37 through 40. And let's say this together. And the Father who has sent himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Let's pray together. Lord, we see and read your words this morning. And we know that you are the Word incarnate. You are the active. Uh, you are the active Spirit. You are the active truth within these words, moving and shaping us as we hear and absorb them. And Lord, we pray that these would not just be letters on a page for us this morning, but that these would be your words to us. That we would be those who read your scriptures, that come and seek after you diligently, knowing that only in you. Do we have eternal life? Lord, we pray for Kelsey as she comes forward to share the message that you have placed in her heart. We pray that you would give her boldness, that you would give her strength and courage to, um, to proclaim boldly the words that you have placed in her heart. And that we as hearers 
would have open ears, that we would hear the things that you have placed in them for us, that we would allow our, our minds, our hearts to be transformed so that we could follow after you. All this we pray in your name. Amen. I am excited to be up here talking with you, and if you, uh, I'm going to be carrying this around with me for a little bit um, to kind of give an example of what we're talking about today and what everything is rooted in today. And since we've been in this building for the past few months, we have been talking about these pillars that have been surrounding us, the pillars of our faith. The firm foundations that we have in Jesus Christ, whether it's worship, obedience, confession, atonement. We've been talking about these things so we know where we stand. And today I'm really excited to speak with you. Uh, I am, have taken a spiritual gifts assessment before. I don't know if any of you have ever taken that. Uh, my top two spiritual gifts are wisdom and truth. So uh, talking about the Bible gets me really excited and gets me really loud. And I am excited. So let's go. Scriptures. That's what we've been talking about. The words of God. These are the holy words. These are the words given to him, given to us through him. This book, it's a story about Jesus, but not only is it a story about Jesus, it's a story about you and me. It's a story about God's love for us and God's constant pursuit of us. That's what this book is. From beginning of this book, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of him, he has demonstrated his power and his love. If we look at the beginning, if we look at Genesis, God's words, his physical words, his, what he spoke out of his mouth is what brought this whole matter, Adam's, everything into existence. God said the words, let there be light. And then there was literally light. That is how much power God's word has. And if we look at John 1, and John is an apostle, and he's talking, and he says, refers back to Genesis, and the first words of John's gospel are in the beginning. So he's talking about Genesis here. And then if we fast forward to verses 4 and 5. John is talking about light. And he says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word brought life and light. And light shines in the darkness. And God created light in the beginning to differentiate light and darkness. So I'm going to do something a little crazy. Boss man is gone, so I thought I would try something. I want you guys all to remain seated. Please don't get up. It's not going to be safe if you stand up or if you move because it's going to get very dark in here. So I repeat, please don't move. It's going to get dark. Don't stand up. All right, you ready? Let's go. In the beginning, there was absolutely nothing. Nothing in this world would exist without God. We would be in complete darkness. But by the power, 
the power of the words of God. Light came to be. By the power of God's word, God said, let there be light. God didn't create light because we need light. Or didn't create light because he needed light. He didn't create that for them. He created it for us. Because we need light. To show us that even just a little bit of light, like that behind this cross, can drive out the darkness. And as we add more light to this world, as we bring more of God, as we bring the pillars of, pillars of our faith, as we confess our sins, as we worship him, as we atone for our failures, we bring God and we drive the darkness out farther and farther. When we hold to the foundations of our faith, to the pillars of our faith, the darkness has to leave. We help bring the light into this world. But first, we need the light. God showed us that in the beginning. We need sunlight to live, to flourish, to be refreshed. But more than this physical light God created, we need an eternal light. Because this physical light can't sustain us. It can't fuel us. It can't drive out the darkness fully. That's where the eternal light comes in. That's where Jesus Christ comes in. Only the living and breathing eternal light of Jesus Christ can drive out the darkness fully so that we can be living in light. But if we don't know who this light is, if we don't know what this eternal light is, eternal life, if we don't know who Jesus is, then how can we drive out the darkness? Guys, listen. This book... This book, all of these words, all of God's words, point to Jesus Christ. Every last page word in this book points to Jesus Christ. If we look back to the Gospel of John, and we look to his final parting words in this Gospel, John even says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Jesus' words are important. And this is only a piece of it, but we need to know this piece so we know him. This is a book, is a telling about God, about Jesus. God is telling us about Jesus, about our Savior, and his promise for one to come. Because obviously we don't see the name Jesus pop up until the New Testament, but Jesus wasn't a backup plan. God didn't be like, well, you know what? They sinned in Eden, so Jesus, I guess we're getting you off the bench, and so you're going down to earth. That wasn't God. Jesus was always plan A. Jesus was always plan B. In fact, there wasn't even a plan B. Jesus was always plan A. And if we look at, back at our scriptures that Simon read today in John 1, John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made. Jesus... Jesus' beginning didn't start at birth on earth. 
while two other Gospels talk about the beginning of Jesus on earth, John here is doing something a little different. John is talking about the cosmic pre-existence of the word, or Jesus. The cosmic pre-existence of him, not the beginning of his life on earth of the birth in a manger. John is talking of a beginning that is beyond space and time. Because what he is saying here is Jesus began before we even knew it. And if you think about it, if you think about the Trinity relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity's relationship didn't develop as the human need for it did. It is a relationship that began, that existed before time even started. Let me say that again. This is important. The Trinity relationship didn't develop as the human need for it developed. The Trinity relationship is a relationship that existed before time even started. See, the term, the word, that, that John is using here means logos. And Jews and Greeks would have been uh, very familiar with this word. This word means reason or plan. And the Jews and Greeks understood this as the divine reason and plan that things happen or things that are set into motion. But the thing that John does here, which is really awesome, and the thing that he does is he changes the context and he gives it a fresh meaning. He gives it a meaning that is completely Christ-centric. John puts term of logos as a Christ-centric meaning because John knows that Jesus is the divine reason and the divine plan, thus he embodies the term logos. So he is calling Jesus the word, the reason, the plan. Do you get this? These holy words, they are Jesus. Do you see how God is working here, how he is making every word form back to Jesus. Every plan, every aspect of humanity forms back to Jesus. These words on a page, they are the word and they are Jesus. These words aren't just some words that we have to read to be Christian or some words that our parents made us read. These words are living and active and breathing. They are Jesus Christ. These words are the same words that spoke all of the universe into motion. These words in this book are the same words that are putting breath in your lungs every morning. These words are Jesus Christ. These words are important. This past summer, I guess a couple months ago, we went back. We were at summer games. And it was my first year at Summer Games, and I was called what is a quad manager. Basically, they're in charge of all of the huddle leaders that are the, the leaders of the weekend for the campers that come. And us quad managers, we came to the camp a day early so that we could go through all the huddle times, all the Bible studies, everything that these huddle leaders would be doing so we would know what they are doing and we could help and support them and lift them up. And so we get there that Friday night and we start going through all the Bible studies and opening our Bibles and reading it. And I pull out, this is my Bible. Um, it's called a Jesus-centered Bible. It's a Jesus-centered Bible because in the Old Testament, there's blue lettering that is relating to all the prophecies and the points in the Bible that directly point to Jesus Christ. 
and at the begin of, beginning of each book that says how this book relates to Jesus. So they're trying to point every single aspect of this book to Jesus Christ. And so I was pulling out my Bible, and this girl next to me, her name was Elisa, she looks at my Bible, and then she looks at me funny, and she looks back at my Bible, and she says to me, she's like, isn't every Bible Jesus-centered? I'm like, yeah. She's like, so how can that Bible claim to be Jesus-centered when every Bible is Jesus-centered? And I'm like, you're right. I can't even defend it. You're right. That's the point. Every Bible is Jesus-centered. This Bible's just trying to make it evident. And if we look at the second passage that Simon read today, Jesus himself even said this. He's talking to the religious leaders and talking to the uh, people who would have studied the Bible endlessly at this time. And I mean endlessly, so they would know the word back and forth. And Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very same scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus says you study the scriptures diligently because he knows they have. But yet they refuse to come to the very thing that they are searching for in this book. These words point to Jesus. And we get eternal life not by reading these words, but by seeing that the words in this book point to the man who has eternal life for us. These words point to eternal life. This book points to Jesus Christ. I don't know if I can say this enough. This isn't a book that we have to read to be a Christian or go to church. So often I hear youth or even adults alike say that it's really hard to read the Bible. It's boring. I don't understand it. I fall asleep. I don't want to read it. I don't get it. I can tell you I'm a victim. I've I've said those words in the past. But Jesus is your Savior, amen? If Jesus is your Savior, which many of you just claimed to be. And this book is about him. Why don't we read it? Why don't we read about the man that saved us? A couple months ago, Simon, when he was preaching, he referenced the Babylon Bee. If you don't remember what that is, the Babylon Bee is a website that has a bunch of authors who write satirical Christian articles. So basically making fun of some of the things that Christians do. And we were re- I was reading one this past week, it called, was titled, Devout Christian Sets Aside Few Minutes to Think About Reading the Bible. I have a couple quotes. A new report has indicated that local devout Christian man Brian Metford took a few minutes out of his busy morning schedule to think about reading his Bible. He encourages his fellow Christians to make thinking about reading their Bibles the first thing they do in the day before they reject the idea out of hand in order to browse Facebook and Twitter for an hour or two on their smartphones. And then Brian goes to say, how can we say we follow Christ if we don't love the thought of reading his word? In a totally theoretical sense, of course. If this book is about the most important man in history, 
Why do we push it aside to watch shows on Netflix? Or to play games on our phone? Or play games or to read books? Or to browse social media endlessly? Now don't get me wrong, these things that I'm listing aren't bad. It's not bad to watch Netflix. It's not bad to play games. It's not bad to be on social media. But when you watch Netflix or play games or be on social media, and then you say you don't have enough time to read the Bible, that's a problem. This is the thing that we should turn to first. This is the thing that should be the lifeblood running through our veins, because the person who created our blood is in here. If we know this book, we then know Jesus Christ. So we must know this book. And if we know Jesus Christ, we then know the truth of this world. Because the word in here, the word speaks truth. And in today's world, there are so many lies that come at, it, come at us from all different points. Lies that you're not good enough. Lies that you don't have enough. Lies that you need to be like them. Lies that you need to be better. That you need to do this or to do that. Lies are consumed in our world. But the scriptures here, they're the truth. They tell us what is real. So we need to memorize this. I know I'm asking a lot. But we need to memorize these scriptures. We need to know these things. We don't need to memorize it like we memorize things for school or for work. They don't need to be recited mindlessly in our heads. But we need to remember it for the health of our spirit for the health of our lives. So when the enemy, when the enemy brings lies to us, because I promise you, he does that every day, all day long. He brings you lies. You can come right back at, with him, at him with the truth of the word. But if you have a sword, if you own a sword and you don't know how to yield it, how good is that sword? If I stand here with the Bible and I carry it around with me all day and I pretend that this Bible is going to deflect all of the lies that Satan has for me, all the lies that are coming at me, and I'm saying, well, I'm holding the Bible so you can't come at me. I'm fooling myself. If I don't know how to yield the sword that I hold, then I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall. I have to know the word. I have to embed it on my heart. Sure, I could open up this Bible, I could open up to the Psalms, and I could look up Psalm 23.1. But if Psalm 23.1 is in my heart, if I know Psalm 23.1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If I know it, I understand it. And I know that God is mine and I am his and he will take care of me and I don't have to want anything because he provides it for me. If I know it, I use it. And it changes me and it changes what I think. The word implants itself in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit. It's now not only a sword that you hold, but a sword you can yield with skill and knowledge. When you yield a sword you know how to use, you can combat anything that comes to you in life. I have a brother. He's 10 years older than me and a sister who's 5 years older than me. And when, we, when I was little, I'd say elementary and younger, 
we would always listen to 90s rap and 90s this and that and that, and we'd watch all the 90s movies like Men in Black, Zoolander, all those type of things. And when I'd get in his car, because I'd always ride with him wherever we went because he was the coolest and I wanted to be exactly like him, he would rap and he would sing all these songs, and I was like, well, I want to sing these songs. I want to be cool like my brother, and I want to sing. And one of our favorite songs, or one we played a lot because we watched the movie a lot, was Men in Black. We watched the Men in Black movie, so we'd sing the song Men in Black. And so my brother had all the words memorized, and I thought I was going to be cool. And so when we got in the car and he turned it on, I started singing. I'd go, na 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 Men in Black. And he'd look at me, and then I'd keep going. I'm like, yeah, he likes it. i go, na 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 Men in Black. I thought I knew all the words, and I thought he would like me, so I kept going. And it wasn't until my middle school years that my sister and my brother started ganging up on me and mocking me with the very thing that I thought I was cool with, singing, hey, Kelsey, you remember, na-na-na-na, men in black. I thought I was cool. I guess I wasn't. So I then made it my goal and my mission to learn the men in black song so that I could kind of do the walk and do all that kind of stuff. So I learned it. I sat in my room when I was in high school. I printed out the lyric sheets. I listened to the song over and over again, and I finally memorized all the lyrics. And then they came back for call from college, and we all got together, and we listened to the song, and I rapped in them, rapped in front of them. And they were like, that's cute. But then they mocked me again with what I was saying. I still can't live it down to this day, but I can... St- I can feel in my heart that I was good enough to memorize men in black. Memorization isn't instantaneous. It's not something that we can listen to that song and go, oh yeah, I know the the lyrics. I'm going to start singing it and sing na-na-na-na-na-na-na. You didn't memorize the song. You memorized the tune. Memorization takes work, but it's possible. Because we memorize songs, like I memorize Men in Black. We memorize names. We memorize street addresses. You can memorize things. It's about doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. So as I said earlier, uh, Pastor Mike is gone. He's on a well-deserved vacation in Colorado. He's having uh, a great time. But I'm going to do a second thing since he's gone. I thought I'd uh, let you guys in on a little secret of what's going to come here in the next coming month. Uh, Come fall, every month, you guys are going to have to memorize scripture. He's going to put some scripture up on the screen for you, and this is what he's going to do. He's going to start with the whole verse, and then as the month progresses, he's going to take out words. And then near the end of the month, all he's going to have is the reference verse. You guys are going to have to memorize scripture every month. So I thought I would give you a kind of a step ahead for him. We're going to practice it today. We're going to memorize some scripture. We're going to memorize John 1.1. So what we're going to do is we're going to say it all together four times. Okay? Four times. So let's start with the first one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, next screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Next one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Awesome. You guys did good. Now, 
next week when you come and you open your bulletins, it's going to have you write it down. Don't cheat and pull out the Bible or your phone. Actually see if you can write it down and memorize this line of Scripture. God speaks to us through Scriptures. These aren't some old words with some old meanings. These words are alive and active, as the Hebrews text said. And when we let these words penetrate us and change us, it will. All we have to do is let them in. There's no part of us that is outside of the reach of scriptures. The word will move and breathe. And somewhere in this book, there is a word or a verse or a chapter or a book that will change you. I promise you. You just have to let God lead you to it. Over the past, a couple years ago, I was in a small group study with some women at Benton when I was there. And we were studying a, uh, chapter, or a study called Room at the Table. It was the idea that there is always room at my table for other women or men. There's always room in my house for people. I'm always going to be the comforting and welcoming hands of Jesus. And there was a scripture in that we read a lot. was Romans 12, 15. You weep with those who weep, and you rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, this passage really hit me because we are selfish beings, myself included. I like to think of myself first. But if somebody is weeping and I'm having the best day of my life, I need to put aside myself and I need to weep with them. Or if somebody's having a great day and my day sucks, you know what, I need to rejoice with them because they're happy and they're excited. We need to be and truly be with the people around us and truly love the people around us. So I asked a few of you in here and someone from the other service to give us a testimony, kind of what verses have changed them. So I'm going to let that play so you guys can kind of see. Hi, my name is Don Haugen. And uh, Joyce and I go to the 815 service. And uh, I've been asked to uh, tell about a, a certain scriptures that has inspired me over the years. And one of them is Psalm 8. It's a short psalm. But the psalmist David talks about God and his creation and how marvelous everything is. And uh, what is he mindful of man? Well, I was inspired by this uh, psalm when I was younger. I took biology class in school, and we uh, were taught all different things about evolution. And I was not impressed with evolution. Uh, we had plants that we put underneath the microscope and how complicated everything is. And we learned about protons and neutrons and atoms. And I realized that this had to be a, from a design. And uh, because how can unthinking atoms create intelligent thought? So I really started to get interested in creation and the word of God when I was about 16 years old. Hi, my name is Amy Stevens, and I attend the 1015 service. Um, when asked to share a verse that has changed my life, it was very difficult because 
I have had a lot of verses that have settled on my soul over the years that have had an impact on me. And so to pull one of those out and try to determine that it was the most life-changing was very difficult. Right now in my life, I think that the verse that is most re relevant to me is uh, Micah 6, 8. It's a very simple verse. It is act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. I came across this verse when I was reading a book about mission work, and I felt that it was just very relevant to me, not only as a disciple of Christ, but as a mother, as a wife, as an educator, and as a human being. Um, and then shortly after I stumbled upon it, I was having an unrelated conversation with my mother who said, my grandfather's favorite verse in life had always been Micah 6, 8. And so it just really stamped that verse even harder on my soul. So Micah 6, 8, uh, act justly, love mercy, walk me. Hello, my name is Carolyn Munson. I usually attend the 1030 service. A scripture that has always been very special to me is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. And the peace of God will guard you, guard your heart and mind and guide you. I don't need to worry. God is always with me. I can lie down at night and sleep because I know God doesn't sleep or slumber. I don't need to worry about tomorrow because I know that God is already there. He always is walking with me. He is guiding me. He's holding my hand, directing my steps, and he's with me always. I just need to be sure that I follow and don't try to lead. This is why we memorize scripture. Few of these people have given testimonies to why, but I'm sure you all have your own piece of scripture that has changed you, and that is why we memorize scripture. Because God uses it and changes our hearts and writes these scriptures on our hearts. So I plead with you guys, I plead with you friends, get in this word. Get to know the words from the person who created you, sustained you, and saved you. Know these words. These words will change your life, I promise. They will change how you live. They will change how you focus, and they will change where your life turns and how it focuses on Jesus Christ. We have the word. It is readily available to us. We have books that have the word in it. We have Bible apps. We have the Bible. We have Bible studies. We have it all over media. But there's countries who aren't even allowed to have the Bible. They're going to put a picture up. And if you can see it, the little few green dots, that's where Christianity is monitored throughout the whole entire world. So they monitor how many Christians and how many Bibles are in that country. Now, if you see the orange, that's the most of it. If you see the orange... That's where Christianity is restricted. So that means no Bible. No Bibles are allowed in those countries. Now, if you look at the red, if you look at the red, that's where Christians are treated as hostiles. So absolutely no Bible, because if you're caught having a Bible, you're probably put to death. These people don't get Bibles in their lives. They can't read the word unless they're doing it illegally. 
Now I want you guys to think about how many Bibles you have. There's hundreds of Bibles in this room. Ben and I alone probably have 15 in our house or at work. You can keep Bibles in your car. You can keep Bibles at home. You can even take, probably take Bibles to work. It's on your phone. Bibles are everywhere. You, all of you, have the opportunity to read the living and breathing words of Jesus Christ. They don't. So don't take advantage of the fact that we can. Get in the word. Don't let it just sit on the bookshelf or sit in your car, sit on your desk. Pick it up and read about Jesus Christ. Read about it so that we can give it to others. Don't let your freedom go to waste. Get in this word as much as you can. Come to church every Sunday. Hear the word preached. You heard Jen Digman. You saw the tables outside. We have Bible studies every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Sign up for one so you can dig deeper into the word. There's plenty of them for you. And one of the best ways that I have learned the Bible, that I've heard testimonies of people learning the Bible, is when they teach it. When they teach the Bible, they understand it more. And we have plenty of opportunities. You saw all these kids leaving to go to Sunday school? Well, we have even more during the school year. We have plenty of little children who need to hear the Bible, who need to know Jesus Christ. So sign up. Teach them. Teach them on Sunday mornings. Teach them on Wednesday nights. We also have plenty of youth, 6th through 12th grade, who are about to go into the real world and who are about to feel all the real things of this world, and they need role models, they need guides, they need people to teach them the word so that they have the word and they can yield their sword. So we have plenty of opportunities for you to teach Jesus Christ. Talk to Jen, talk to me. We'll get you there. Talk to Danny. Get in this word. Do not let it pass by. Learn the truth of God and let it change you. Let this truth change you. Because all this truth points to the man who is eternal life, who is the truth, the way, and the life. All of it points to him. All of this book does. So know this book. Learn it. Read it. Memorize it. Memorizing the men in black was cute and it was funny. But memorizing this book is important. It's life-changing, not only for you, but for the people who are around you, for the people that need this book as much as you do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I'm going to read for you Malachi three, ten through 12. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I invite the ushers forward to take our offering today.